Welcome to the Knowledge for Teachers podcast. My name is Brendan Lee, and I will be chatting to researchers, teachers, and experts about what evidence-informed education is and the nuances involved with actually implementing effective and sustainable school-based education. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the land that we are all on today. I am on the beautiful land of the Darug and Gundungurra people in the lower blue mountains of New South Wales, Australia. I would like to pay respect to the elders both past, present and emerging, who are the traditional custodians of this country. As we learn together today, I would like to extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. This land always was and always will be the land of the First Nations people. This time, ladies and gents, when I put my hands down, I would like you to say the word back to me the fast way. Rise with aim, start to pull. Rise with aim, start to draw. Rise with aim, start to chip. Rise with aim, start to draw. Rise with aim, start to draw. Can't hear you. Rise with aim, start to chip. Rise with aim, start to draw. Rise with aim, start to pull. Rise with aim, start to draw. Rise with aim, start to chip. Rise with aim, start to draw. Rise with aim, start to pull. You have just heard from Rebecca Brady and her kindergarten class during their phonics lesson at St Bernard's Primary School in Batemans Bay, New South Wales. Rebecca features in today's episode alongside her principal, Joanna Wayne, and middle leader, Jennifer Smith. This is the final instalment of the three-part series that has focused on the Catholic Education Archdiocese of Canberra-Golvin. Across the three episodes, I have delved into Catalyst, which is a term used that encompasses their approach to teaching and learning across the system. In the first part, Ross Fox, the director, described how and why Catalyst came about. We didn't have enough high achievement to say confidently, if we just copy this, if we just learn from uh, within, that we'll achieve what we want. So we, we did set about carefully curating visits and experiences to other schools, other school systems, other educational leaders to learn from everyone as to what, what we could do in our own context that would make the most difference for learning and teaching. You can hear the full episode with Ross Fox on episode 14 of the Knowledge for Teachers podcast. Following Ross's chat, I spoke to education lead Patrick Ellis, and he went into detail about the implementation process. We also realized early on just the significance of the change uh, Mm -hmm. for some teachers that Mm -hmm. what we were asking them to change in their practice was quite significant for them. And so we had to, for some, for some teachers and some schools, really break that down and just, you know, to just focus on, you know, maybe it's a, a short daily review. Just, let's just focus on that. I highly recommend that you listen to the full chat with Patrick Ellis as he details a number of the key aspects of Catalyst. Today, you will hear about how the messages from Catalyst are actually being translated into the classroom. In fact, we could even describe St. Bernard's as a Catalyst for Catalyst and they are certainly leading the way. I actually had the pleasure of visiting their school and seeing what is happening in the classrooms. Throughout the episode, Joanna, Jennifer and Rebecca describe St. Bernard's transformation, what they have done to support staff in the change journey, and how they have benefited from Catalyst. So, here is my chat with the team from St. Bernard's. Really looking forward to today's conversation with the team from St. Bernard's in Batemans Bay. I've got their principal, Joanna Wayne, and teachers, Jenny Smith and Rebecca Brady. Joe, I'm just going to start with you. Are you able to tell us a bit about your journey into the position that you were in today? So I'm originally from Melbourne and moved to Batemans Bay about 18 years ago. When I first moved, I began teaching at St. Bernard's and then moved to St. Mary's in Maria. My principal at St Mary's was new and she was just beginning her Masters of Education. So I decided that I'd study with her to further my knowledge in educational leadership. I stepped up as assistant principal at St Mary's after a couple of years of teaching there and then moved to St Bernard's in 2015 as permanent assistant principal. 
2019, the, I acted as principal and applied for the position permanently and was fortunate enough to receive that leadership role. I then, um, in my leadership role at St Bernard's, we had been following a direction that really focused on the inquiry model and Jenny and Beck and myself had had several conversations around this and just could see that things just weren't working. So then in 2019, the year I'd stepped up as principal at the beginning in January, I had a phone call and we had an opportunity for Jenny and Beck to head to Perth for an intensive program called the Teach Well Week Intensive. And that was at Belga Primary in Perth. So I guess that's where it all began. Yeah, it sounds like a really cool journey to be on. And, you know, you've gone through obviously a lot of different changes as you've been a part of that journey. As a teacher yourself, how would you describe your own practice when you're in the classroom? So when I was teaching, I was very explicit. We, when I started teaching in Melbourne, we taught a phonics program but then things moved away from that and we started using a whole language approach. So I guess things have really changed and gone a little bit back to where I first began teaching. Yeah, and when you had to kind of make those changes towards the whole language approach, how did that sit with you at the time? Well, I just followed the experts and thought, yeah, we'll give it a go. And we engaged in professional learning, changed our practice. You know, I supported teachers in the classrooms with this approach. But we just kept having these discussions that the students just were coming out of kindergarten, not being able to read. And then we were in year one having to really focus with intensive support to support these students who were coming out under benchmark from kindergarten. And we just couldn't work out why. Why did we have 50% of our students coming out of kinder under benchmark? Because we have excellent teachers. Yeah. And so do you feel like, you know, in kind of in the back of your mind, you always felt like, you know, that these system changes that were being, you know, pushed upon you weren't necessarily effective? Absolutely. Yeah, but we, we absolutely were wholeheartedly invested in what we were doing and we tried, you know, every approach that was given to us and followed the experts, but it just wasn't working for us. Yeah, you know, and, and it's really interesting to hear you talk about that and, and, you know, how you've had to go through those different approaches towards teaching phonics and how sometimes what comes from above you, you've just got to do it. And you've got to trial it and you've got to put your, you know, all of your effort into what you're doing, because that's also the only way that we can really give these different approaches an opportunity to be successful as well. So, you know, I, I think your, your story probably is very similar to a lot of educators out there who, you know, who have kind of gone from this to that. And, and that's also why, you know, when we do start to talk about change, that, te that teachers are just feeling that, that change fatigue. You know, and it's like, oh, not another one. You know, we've got to change again. You know, it's like every year you're going through the motions. And like as school leaders, I'm sure, you know, you get that sense where you understand where they're coming from. And so I guess you've got to really make sure that those decisions you're making are right. You know, when you when you started working with Catalyst, how, how did you kind of model that professional scepticism? I guess we started with providing teachers with the research. So it was all backed up by research. And I think with us, like teachers were already questioning what we were doing. They couldn't see the improvement with the students. So yeah. providing them professional reading, providing them the research, having Beck and Jenny head to Perth and come back really enthusiastic about what they'd seen and what was working over there, that really helped. Yeah, awesome. So let's 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 move over to to talking to Beck and Jenny then. So Beck, what what kind of made you start asking questions about you know changing your approach and and maybe looking at a, a more structured literacy approach? I think just as Joe was saying, Brennan, it was really obvious to us we were looking at the results. Our kids were coming in well below benchmark, and it wasn't for want of trying. We were really 
respecting following the process we were asked to follow with the inquiry approach but we were just seeing children weren't they weren't maintaining they weren't keeping that information in their heads you know we would feel like well we've taught the way we're taught but then two weeks later they still couldn't tell us a letter sound that we'd been rehearsing you know we sort of I sort of put it to the analogy of teaching a child to swim it felt a little bit like we were taking children to a pool throwing them in the deep end saying swim whereas we were really crying out for something to teach them the skills first introduce them to the water show them the skills to swim and then help them that way so it was firstly it was the the results but then it was also we're even seeing it in student disengagement and in thereby behaviors so yes weren't engaging so there were bigger behavior issues and like I said they just weren't our results were showing that it just was not working yeah and so then how did you kind of get on to teach well Definitely through Joe. And again, this is, it was funny when you say was there sort of change fatigue. I don't think that was an issue for us because we were begging for change. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, very, very fortunate. Like you say, it does matter what's happening above us. And we are just very, very fortunate to be working with Joe, who was so receptive and was really listening to what we were saying. And we did, we had a lot of discussions saying something needs to change, but we did want to respect the process we're following. So we did do that. We really did honour it and we did work through it for a decent amount of time until we just couldn't ignore it any longer. And thankfully we work in a great team who was listening and Joe reached out and made that contact for us. Yeah, cool. So when you went over to, to Western Australia, what did you see? Oh, it was so exciting, wasn't it, Jenny? We just straight away, we came back and we were even bringing Joe going, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. <laughs> it was just, first of all, structure. So there was structure, there was routine, just so explicit. And that's what was missing from what we were doing and also just seeing the repetition which is so important as we know now and because we had been doing the reading before going over there seeing that importance of of repetition to help children you know move that information into their long-term memory and we realized that's what's been lacking but what we also saw was fast-paced high energy engagement I think sometimes here explicit teaching I think oh boring it's not boring at all it's so engaging it's uh, there's so much room to be very playful even though it's very structured and we definitely saw that watching Brooke and Lorraine giving their examples over there yeah and you know look I've seen you in action and I've seen all the teachers at your school in action and you know I'd just like to reiterate that that explicit instruction is not just the teacher standing out the front lecturing. It's not just them, you know, writing down notes and then getting the kids to copy it down. And it's not just the kids sitting down waiting for the teacher to tell them what to do. You know, what I saw from you was I saw a lot of singing. I saw a lot of movement. I saw a lot of um, student participation. It was, it was fast paced. There was, you know, students moving from one spot to another, yeah, 100%. There was, you know, students writing on mini whiteboards. There was also lots of choral responses. But in terms of like what, what we're looking at for student participation, they had no chance to not be thinking and not be involved. You know, you, you constantly had them, yeah, calling upon them to, to see what they knew and where they were at. And, and I think it's just really important that we are able to to give those examples when we are talking about explicit instruction and and kind of change that narrative a little bit. So, so yeah, looking at you've you've gone over to WA, you've you've seen what you've seen, and then you you've given Joe a phone call and said, look, you know, this is amazing. What happened next? Uh, so next we came back and we started to apply what we what we had seen, and we were very lucky. We still had the support from Lorraine and Brooke. They were very supportive. They gave us a lot of resources to work with. I think the biggest thing they helped us do is say, don't try and do it all at once because it was, I think it would be incredibly overwhelming to try and make that massive change. So we just did bit by bit. So we started just with daily review. We just started with literacy daily review. Um, mm -hmm. We started with the engagement norms and using TAPL, all of those strategies, using whiteboards, all those sort of things, making sure we we're being explicit with the children right down to talking about the learning intention and the success criteria. So everyone in the room knew exactly what the expectation was. I think the other big difference, we went from saying to the children, off you go, have a go, to saying, well, no, we're actually going to help you do this first. And I think one of the first things I really brought in was the I do, we do, you do. So I will show you first, we will do it together, and then you'll have a go, that gradual release model, you know. So setting the children up for success. So they're coming in knowing that they can actually, they can do this. And it doesn't mean we can't extend. We absolutely can extend our expectations for our higher achieving kids. It's very easy to modify it for them but it just meant everyone could get in could have a go and I actually noticed anxiety levels go down in the kids you know those children who were 
not sure where to go, what to do, you took that away. You took that stress away from them so they could just focus on the learning. Yeah, so I think, and again, I think those engagement norms were really helpful, a really good place to start and daily review. Daily review is something that we do every day. Sometimes they will do tests or they'll walk around the classroom while we're doing the learning so they can check if we're doing it or if we need help. They will also ask us questions about the learning. So if we had a literacy task, they might ask us what the nouns are, what the verbs are, so we know what we're doing. The daily reviews really help because it puts us in the right mindset for the rest of our learning and it helps us review, memorise and learn all these things that we need for our future learning. That was actually Year 6 student Erica describing what a daily review is and she does such a great job of explaining what it is that I probably didn't even need to ask Rebecca to explain it. But here she is anyway. Yeah, okay. So let's let's dig into that a little bit because I know listeners that they really want to know like, well, what does that mean for me? And so, you know, you say these, these terms like daily review, I do, we do, you do. And what does a daily review include? So a daily review is literally reviewing content that you've already covered with the students. So you would explicitly teach a concept and then we bring it back in daily review. So every day we have a 20 minute daily review for literacy and we're now also doing that for maths where we review content. So I'm teaching kindergarten at the moment. So for example, I will review the letters and the sounds every morning. We just go straight over them. And then say, for example, if we were learning about adjectives and we've had some explicit lessons on adjectives, then we would have in our daily review, we would bring back that information and we would do that. It's very systematic. So you'll bring it back and you'll work on it. And then you might move on to something else for a week or so, then you bring it back again, because all the research shows that by doing that, by exposing the children again and again, that's how we move that information into their long-term memory and and that's what you saw when you came like lots of that's where we've there's so much scope and room for games and fun to do it but it's all very much aimed at exposing them to information again and again until it's ingrained basically yeah and I think it is important to highlight the fact that you can still have your students moving because you know sometimes People, they see the mini whiteboards and the, the students sitting down and, and they see that and they're like, oh, but they're sitting down for the whole time. I think that's also where you need to use a bit of teacher judgment. You know, that's that's actually the art of teaching. All right, yeah, if, if, that, if you do feel that they're sitting down, they need to move, incorporate that into your, your routine and your structure. Absolutely. Um, that's, um, that's where we talk about how there's no time to disengage. There's just not because it yeah. is, the pace The pace is a big secret to the success of the entire process is you do need to keep moving. And that was what we saw when we went to Perth. Brooke just, she like blew us away. She was just constantly moving and she taught us about the, she called it the magic triangle. So you have, the children might be working at the desk, but there's also a spot on the floor where they might sit in a circle. And then you come to the other point where there's the whiteboard and you'll be modeling whiteboard work. And it's a matter of moving between those spaces to keep the kids moved and engaged, especially, you know, with children we know that keeping the body moving and that does help them to keep focused and have those little brain breaks as well incorporated into it. It's all very, it might look like a lot of fun, but it's all very planned and structured, but also really engaging for the kids. We're going to have Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Where are you? Focus, focus. Everybody focus. What time is it? Game time. I said, what time is it? Game time. We're going to do it to our whiteboards. We are going to show me what, show me chin it. Nice, show me hover. Brilliant. Show me parker please. That's funny. Okay, and when we answer, we're going to answer incomplete sentences. How are we going to answer? Incomplete sentences. Okay, why are we doing this? That was a snippet taken from Tony Ward's Year 3 class. Next, Year 3 student Lily tells us what she knows about the EDI engagement norms before we return to my conversation with Beck. We have to track and read and we do gesturing. He'll do like a three-way check, so say if someone said the answer, then he'll check on someone else if they were listening to what that person said. Yeah, okay, so then moving on from daily reviews and looking at your engagement norms, and and you mentioned TAPL, but for those that aren't familiar with explicit direct instruction and that model, do you just want to talk to that a bit more? Sure. So it's first, um, we teach first, so that's number one. We actually don't 
assume knowledge we we will teach the children what we want them to know we'll say we are learning about this so I'm going to teach you that first okay and then we're going to ask some questions about that and we're going to pair share so we're going to give children a chance to talk about it with each other because that's obviously very important for part of their processing is to talk through what it is that you're learning together picking a non-volunteer is another part of it and again that's really important we use the paddle pop sticks a lot again this is part of not giving the kids a chance to disengage because they never know when their name's going to come out of that paddle pop stick so they always have to be ready to answer a question at any point. Yeah, so it's basically following those, all those engagement, just trying to keep the kids learning, keep them as part of the process as well. Yeah, Jenny, feel free to jump in if you want to. That's all good. <laughs> Got this? Uh, yeah, okay. So then, you know, when you're talking about the I do, we do, you do, again, like what, what can that look like throughout a lesson, throughout a week? Okay, so for example, I might say, just as a very simple example, I might say, okay, listen, this is the letter L, L says all, everyone, and they'll say L says all, and then I'll say, you know, Brendan, what does L say? And you'll say, L says all. And then we might say, okay, it all starts words like, you know, love, line, letter, you know, and then you get the children to repeat that. It's that choral repetition and then we might take it a step further and say well you now you know the letter l says all you know it starts the word you've told me a word that starts with all i want you to say it in a sentence to your partner so it's just taking it that step further just back to front all the time but again it just comes back to that don't leave them guessing like Lorraine always says to us it's not a secret don't keep the information a secret from the children so tell them first do it with them and then give them a chance to practice it independently yeah and and so what what sort of things did you see as you started to incorporate these changes? Such higher, much, much higher engagement. Straight away, better results. We're seeing the children, like particularly in spelling and things like that. One of the things we found interesting that we had to change from going from the inquiry approach, because with the inquiry, it was literally a, no, let them just sit and write. Let them write what they want to write and, you know, don't particularly correct on their books because it's their work. We had to really strip all that back and go, no, actually, it is okay. It's actually not okay. It's important to provide feedback and to strip it back. So we went from just letting the children write and write and write to, no, we're just going to bring this right in and look at a sentence or even, you know, from kindergarten level where I'm coming from, just let's look at the letters and sounds first, whereas Jenny will probably talk a little bit more about taking it that bit further. And instead of trying to write a paragraph, we're going to master sentences first. And that in itself, you know, the different types of sentences, there's so much work to be done there. So we've really stripped it back just to try and work with kids and as I said seeing that we're seeing the quality of their work has increased so much their their knowledge their background knowledge and to be honest even mine like (laughs) I've learned a lot more about all these you know grammatical terms and things that we know and we kind of in the back of our heads know what they are because we've been working in this industry for years but to work out why it is the way it is and the spelling rules that we have in our heads but didn't necessarily know why and once we know that we do a better job of teaching it to the kids as well. And we're definitely seeing, you know, I'll I'll even have little people today, like someone said to me today, and this is in kindergarten in our phonics this morning. And he just said to me, oh, Miss Grady, look, all of those letters have a vowel in them. And I thought, you know, as a five-year-old to pick the vowels straight away at this point, I went, that's pretty impressive, mate. And I said, well, yes, you know, pretty much all the words in the English language have a vowel. And he said, well, the letter, the word fly doesn't, Mrs. Grady. And I went, oh, and this is is like the kids, they're yeah, picking up all those little bits and pieces because they are used to looking for the detail now. And I think that's a big difference too. They're not just flicking through books and trying to work out what's happened with pictures. They're really thinking about all those explicit lessons they've been given and applying that. Yeah, awesome. And I think that's you know, the end goal is that we want our students to be active in their own learning, but we can't start there. I think that's, that's I guess, the, the change that we're trying to shift to is that we can't just expect them to be little experts. We've actually got to give them that information, their skills, and, and take those small steps in supporting them in getting there as well. So, Joe, just coming back to you, so, like, after this trip, and, you know, you, you've then also gone over as well, what sort of steps came in after that? So Jenny, Beck and I met and we really wanted to implement the change. And I was just fortunate that Ross Fox was down here for a visit with principals and he'd asked about the Perth trip and I said, well, we're really keen to implement what we saw. And that included starting with an explicit phonics program. So we began with all teachers from K to 6 being involved in professional learning and focusing on the science of reading and the science of learning. So This all came at COVID time 
but we use that to our advantage and linked in through Teams and had the professional learning going all through COVID. So it was really great that the teachers had that background knowledge before we started really to implement the change in the classrooms. We sent out for professional, we sent out professional reading and evidence to show why we were changing as well to the teachers so that we were already having them on board before we expected any specific changes in the classroom. And then following the PD, we Cater 2 were really trialling a daily review. So we really started with Cater 2 to get that right. And we started just with Jenny and Beck and a couple of the teachers went in and watched Jenny and Beck to see what they were doing. Jenny and Beck were sharing their programs. So it was really collegial. And then after that, we our first, um, where we started was really Let's Decode. We started with the Explicit Phonics program. So we had catered to teachers trained in Let's Decode. And we had the support of Lorraine and Brooke they provided us the professional learning and then they worked with us with coaching the teachers from kindergarten to year two. And that's where yeah. we started. Yeah, and, you know, look, I like the strategic approach you've taken to that implementation process as well, you know, rather than just saying, all right, yeah, we've come back from this trip, we've seen all this great stuff, everyone needs to change what they're doing now, this is what we're going to do. What you've done is you've started with just Jenny and Beck and getting them to, you know, trial it themselves first. And and I'm sure you probably had some observations as well from teachers. And then we've got that gradual process of then all right, sharing programs and getting them to see what that all looks like before you finally had all teachers, yeah, using this Let's Decode program. Absolutely. So I'm sure it would have made that actual change process and the implementation a lot more effective than if you had just gone in full of the gate saying this is what we're doing. Yeah. So what what kind of have you always been a bit of a strategic thinker like that and and you know trying to take a, a slow process when it comes to change? Absolutely, because I'm mindful of not overwhelming teachers as well. And because we had we had been through some change a couple of years earlier. So we had trialed working on a different approach. So I knew if I just went in all guns blazing and changed everything that I'd have pushback and teachers overwhelmed and saying, you know, oh, this is just another change. We'll probably change again in another, you know, six months or 12 months down the track. So I was really strategic around how I wanted the change to be implemented across the school. And I think with starting with K-2 teachers, like they, they were all talking and saying how they'd noticed change in their classroom. So it was already, there was already a buzz around the school. Yeah. And so you mentioned Ross Fox before the director. Where, where does this, your story fit in, in terms of Catalyst? So we probably started, we were the first school to take it on. Um, the Catalyst for Catalyst. Yeah, that's right. We were the catalyst for catalyst. So we really started with Lorraine prior to the other schools, just because we were fortunate to have Jenny and Beck attend the intensive and then myself going to Perth and we really wanted to start. We didn't want to waste any more time because we we were seeing the results of our students not being able to read. And so what was Ross like at this stage? He was really keen as well. He was happy to support us, very supportive. He got things moving and talked to the teaching and learning team at CE and he was on board with us. Yeah, cool. All right. So Jenny, I'm just going to have a chat to you about, you know, this this process and what it, what it kind of looked like from your perspective as a middle leader. Yeah. Uh, so I guess with everything that sort of started to happen and as Joe said, we we sort of took off a bit earlier than everyone else. And so Lorraine got on board with us and then we did a lot of our initial training with the science of reading and learning during COVID. So it was all online, which was good, but also a little bit challenging. And then Lorraine, I think she managed to get in a visit and then we did our training for the Let's Decode program. And then she also came and did the training for Spelling Mastery. So that was kind of like the next thing that we we started to roll out across the school because we knew spelling was an area that was weak 
you know, and NAPLA and results showed that. So that was that was really quite challenging at the start because we had we knew we had a lot of kids that were needing that intensive tier one support at, at that lower end across the school. So we had to formulate how we were going to staff that, how we were going to get the groupings so that we didn't necessarily make children feel that they were, you know, I guess we were trying to put them into stage groups so they kind of felt like their self-worth wasn't, you know, undervalued and that they would keep their confidence up. So we we managed to get that. Everybody was on board. All staff were allocated groups, even the CSA and support people jumped in and helped out. And that was really great. And we saw lots of great results from that in our first year. And then, this, but we did get a lot of pushback from staff, I think, because they felt it was a bit boring. Some felt it was a bit slow. So there was those things to work through. And then I think then they realised that it was successful and that it was a great thing for students to regulate in the morning because we do it first thing. So the students know the routine now. They just go straight to the rooms that they need to be in. They work really hard for the 20 minutes and they go back to their normal classroom. But the results are showing. I think now we're in our third year, Joe. is that correct? Yes. So we've had this big shift from students sort of being at those early levels to more in the mid, you know, levels and upwards. And then we have, we've had children who've finished and then they've gone on to do, you know, more extension type work with morphology and etymology and things like that. And it's been a big shift for teachers, Jenny, hasn't it? Because yes. they're provided the program. Yes. On how to teach spelling. Yes. They, all the spelling rules are there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really been excellent for our teachers to build their knowledge in spelling as well. Yeah, definitely. Because I think that, you know, that was the thing. You, you don't know what you don't know. And I yep. think that's the, the assumption that perhaps lots of people in schools or middle leaders in schools make is that everybody knows this information, but in fact they don't. It depends on what your school experience was for yourself and whether that was something that you, you the, the way that you were taught or the information you were taught. So for teachers, like Joe said, to get that knowledge is so important because if you don't know it, how on earth are you going to ever teach that and teach it really well? So I think there's been lots of examples of that all the way through, you know, our maths, the literacy, the grammar, all those, all those really important concepts that we want to impart to the children, you know, that just getting that process happening and, and upskilling our teachers is vital really for our students to thrive. So yeah, that, definitely. And I guess the other thing too with the whole rollout of Catalyst was having the instructional coaches and the expertise there to come in and support us with, you know, improving and upskilling our teaching and how to get better at that. And, and that was a big hurdle for a lot of staff who never actually ever experienced that in their teaching career. It was very confronting, but I think the the coaches were so supportive and, you know, offered us resources and, and modelled really good teaching practice that I think as we rolled on, it, it became less of an issue and, and people were more comfortable with that sort of model but it would, that was key, I think, to, you know, getting that change to sort of happen. Yeah, so you mentioned a couple of moments there where there was a little bit of kickback from staff, you know, so you spoke about the spelling mastery and, mm-hmm. and how it's boring and slow. And, mm-hmm. and then you also just mentioned then about, you know, having uh, teachers coming in and observing them. Mm-hmm. What sorts of things did you do to, to try to manage, you know, that and, and support staff in, you know, dealing with these difficulties that they were having? I think the most important thing as a leadership team, and Joe, you can agree or disagree with this, is that we kept our messaging the same. We didn't sort of waver from that. We said, this is what we're doing. This is this is how it's going to be. We and Joe was amazing. Like she she gave staff planning time each term, which we've kind of kept with, so that teachers had time to prepare and and look at the low variation curriculum and look at how that was going to be put into their data review. So time for 
to getting those things done because it was very time consuming and as Beck and I will, you know, vouch for it's hours and hours of work on, on your weekends and things to get that all up and running. So I think that was challenging for lots of staff. So having that time, you know, in the week or, for, you know, the term, at the end of the term, going into a new term, having that planning time was really key and that got staff buy-in as well. So they knew that they were getting supported. You know, we were trying to help them with resources. So uh, we we got some things like that. Our reading spine was put together, you know, building that on things that we already had and putting other things into it so that staff didn't have to go looking for that information. We also got lots of sample slides so we built our resources. I mean, now we're lucky because we've got a lot of maths resources from OCA that Catalyst has provided, which has been great. And also letting teachers go and see other teachers in our school that modelled really good best practice. So that was helpful too. I'm just trying to think of what, well, there were so many things that we did, but they were, the, they were probably the main things I would say and, and just upskilling other staff. So when we were looking at moving on to writing, four or five of our staff all did the writing revolution training so that at least we had a spread of people across the school that could support different stage groups and how that how that rolled out into the classroom practice and their shared book or text, you know, reading text, which text in the classroom and how they responded to that. Yeah, I just want to touch on a few things there because what you're showing by having that planning time is you're showing staff like what you're prioritising. You're prioritising the, the professional learning. You're prioritising that this is how we want you know, lessons to be taught and the, that mm. planning time. And then also just the fact that, you know, you're you're modelling and you're, you're opening up classrooms and, you know, creating that really collaborative culture. Again, another thing that's really important for that that change process and mm. for staff to feel supported. When it When it comes to like looking at professional learning, uh, how have you kind of, you know, I guess we're kind of fast tracking into the current phase. Mm -hmm. How have you used all of the, the resources and professional learning and everything that comes from Catalyst? I think a lot of it, well, we have obviously had all the materials provided to us. So we had our HITP online units that we all had to complete. So there was a lot of information in, initially around the cognitive load theory and how that applied in terms of the delivery of your lessons and your slides um, so that we reduce that load for students and, you know, didn't overwhelm them with too much information. I think we also went back and sort of revisited Rosenshine's principles as well because, as Joe will mention, as we were a leadership team, we were looking at, well, what was our next focus going to be? When we sort of got our data reviews and things under control, our next focus was looking at checking for understanding. So we sort of drilled down into that a little bit more and looked at how we were questioning students and what types of things we were asking them to elicit the responses that we wanted and to make sure that that knowledge was being embedded into their long-term memory. So that was a, a key focus of our learning work walks. Around and I think, learning. Jen, that we, we really prioritised professional learning around curriculum for our staff meetings. Yes. My yes. focus became on teaching and learning and yes. the other stuff came last. Yes. So it shifted as well as in our exec meetings. We always started with curriculum. And same with our staff meetings, we had a real focus on our curriculum. Yeah, and so when we're when we're looking at you know professional learning, how have you you managed? Like you know, you, you said you're about three three years along the journey now. How have you managed new staff coming in? We with with the early career teachers that we've currently got an early career teacher on staff. We have set up a sort of a coaching mentoring program. So part of that is the onboarding of the Catalyst units, which has all that great information there. And then, you know, providing that modelling in class as well. It's kind of like that gradual, gradual release of responsibility. 
I do it, then you're going to practice it. And then I want you to keep practicing until that becomes second nature to you. So lots and lots of, of modeling and supporting. Feel free to jump in, Joe, if there's anything I've, I've forgotten. And then for any of those teachers that missed that initial training, they've gone off to do the Let's Do Code to tra training with Ray so that they're upskill with that. Um, and then if we've got casual support staff that come in, again, that we, we will try and encourage them to go in and watch a lesson or we'd upskill them and, and sort of work talk them through and explain the process to them. But most of them were very like willing and, and happy to, you know, you know, watch a lesson or go and do an observation so that they felt comfortable with that. And so any of our casuals can pretty much jump in and, and deliver. And I think, Jenny, being a system approach, yeah. We're fortunate we had one teacher move from Canberra, but he had already had all the training because he's part of our system. So we're very fortunate with that. And also ensuring that our teachers are grade planning together. So they're, you know, not, not isolated in their planning sessions. They're always planning together. And I know Jenny would often jump into their planning session to support them if they had questions around their daily reviews or their explicit lessons and writing. So we had, we've got great mentoring happening. And I would say too, from a classroom teacher point of view, is the way that staffing has been done in our school has been really helpful in that teachers who are quite confident in presenting with this model have been paired with people who might be a little bit newer to it. So we see yeah. we have sort of more expert staff working with staff who are still learning the rope. So, and even just with the way our classrooms are set up, we can see each other teaching and we do do a lot of talking to one another and seeing each other teach. And I think that has had a positive effect as well. Yeah, just touching on the, the glass rooms, one of the most impressive things I found as I was walking around the school was just that you can stand at one end of the building and you can look all the way through and see the exact same lesson being taught across that whole year group you know that's you know really impressive and and the consistency there I haven't seen many schools with that level if any and so how have you gone about kind of managing that aspect of it and and, and ensuring that there is consistency across the school uh, well as Joe said with the team planning it just come it comes together it just seems to work because we do sit together and again that planning time that we are given as classroom teachers is so invaluable so we sit down together and say okay well we, and we've got a great scope and sequence now which is something that we did really need and once we got on board with that that really helped us a lot but we have that planning time to sit in together and say okay what exactly do we want to achieve how are we going to achieve it together so we talk through it together and then we might say okay well I'll take literacy for the fortnight and I'll get the slides and things ready for that you take maths and then we might switch it around so everybody's making sure they're involved in the planning for all the subject areas but it's it, it's the key is that planning time together first and I think um one of the focuses that we've had this year particularly for the three to sixes is timetabling so making sure that everybody has the same timetable and it's you know very tightly structured so we're down to the like minutes and seconds to fit everything in but to make sure that we've got all those components of the low variation curriculum you know, in that the timetable and that we're delivering those things at the same time. So I was just laughing when you were talking about, you know, seeing through the glass. Last year, my YouTube partners, we would look and check it on each other to see where each of us were up to and kind of were yeah. placing ourselves against each other. So <laughs> it was really great when someone would go, oh, I'm not doing that. Oh, why is she doing that? I better put it in the wrong, you know, in the wrong place. So it was a great check-in. For, for both of us and then we you know afterwards we'd always go and have a chat and say how did you go with that and how did you go with that so we were constantly in dialogue about you know the lesson and and how the kids went and maybe if we needed to tweak something so it, it's yeah and the low variance sorry the low variance curriculum has been a game changer for us too. There's no guessing in what should be being taught each week because it's there. So everybody is following the one scoping sequence. Yeah. Did you have any staff, especially at the start, who were, you know, saying, oh, but I like doing things my way. It's working or, you know, they want that autonomy. We, we hear a lot of teachers say, oh, I don't want to have to do use these shared resources or pre-prepared resources because 
I already know how to teach it and I want to teach what's best for my students. Have you had any teachers that, that were kind of pushing back against that low variance curriculum? They were pretty accepting of it actually because they found it difficult having to go into the syllabus all the time to know exactly what had to be taught and how to pace it. So yeah. really they accepted the, the scope and sequence. And I mean, so we've had a couple questioning the vocab because they like to teach the vocab around the novel that they've been teaching that week. So we worked together for a, for a solution around that. Once we knew what tier two and tier three vocab was like, they could really put in their own vocabulary words into the scope and sequence as well. Yeah, cool. And so I guess, you know, looking look at what the schools can do that aren't a part of, you know, Canberra Golden Catholic education system and, you know, who maybe don't have the same level of support that, that you guys have at, at your school. What sorts of things could they be doing? And and all three of you, you know, feel free to contribute to this one because I think it's quite a big question and, and it's one that a lot of teachers who will be listening to this will want to know, you know, what, what can I do? Brendan, I think the biggest thing that I found to help with the success of it is seeing other teachers in action. I think yeah. you have to see it and, and talk as well. Talk to those teachers, share resources. I think some of those are the biggest keys to succeeding in this and like Joe said the scope and sequence I think was a real game changer because when Jenny and I first went to Perth we didn't have that so we came back and we were playing with daily review and things like that but we felt a little bit lost so having that really set structure but again if we hadn't seen it modelled for us it wouldn't have been the same so I think if you're starting out come and visit schools that are doing it doing it well because that's a really good starting points that's from a classroom teacher point of view I'm sure Joe and Jen will be able to talk from a different point of view but just from the, the base level I think seeing it in action is number one yeah well, that's where what, we do you, started. what do you think like stood out to you when you first saw look you know Lorraine or whoever you saw or Brooke you know in action what really stood out to you as being oh that's how it's done definitely the explicit nature of how they were teaching the the language they were using with the children you know that you know they didn't shy using the word adjective synonym you know throwing it out the kids and the kids knew what it meant that was definitely there it was the energy level and the student engagement the children all wanted to be in there they wanted to be doing it they wanted to be the one whose name came out of the paddle pop stick because they were enjoying it and they were learning at the same time so I think, I think the, the thing that there were two one key thing that I think Beck and I talked a lot about after watching Brooke, was that time was not a minute was wasted. It was, you know, there was no downtime. Every second of that lesson was maximised completely. And, you know, the, the kind of script of the language that she used to frame her lessons was, was really incredible. And that high level of the, that meta language that she was using, but the kids were also using that too. And then to see the students be successful, you know, hitting that 80 to 100% success, everyone achieved. So there was that confidence building in the students and opportunities for them to use their voice. So often, you know, you hear people saying, oh, when you're doing explicit instruction, the student voice is not there, but it really is. It's, it's front and centre, I think, of the whole thing because, you know, we know that evidence has said prior to that, that, some children don't speak at all during a school day. Yeah. How on earth are they going to get an opportunity to learn or share their learning if they don't get to talk to other children? And Jenny, on them, I think the other thing, which again goes back to the tackle, is the, the, the explicit feedback straight away, that on-the-spot feedback for the kids is it so important. So, you know, we catch them on the spot. If they haven't got it, we're going to do it again and we're not going to embarrass you. So, so for example, if a child doesn't give you the correct answer we say oh listen this is the answer everyone say it with me and then you go back to that child and they get to give you the correct answer that so they've finished knowing that they've succeeded but it hasn't been you know a major drama but we've caught them on the spot and we've corrected it on the spot mm -hmm. and also I think the differentiation you know it's you, you're differentiation differentiating in real time so depending on what the student's response is and then what feedback you give them and then you make that adjustment and adapt it on the run as as the lessons are evolving so I think that's really important too so that you know you can you can ensure that all the children get, have an opportunity to participate at their level within that lesson 
And from a school leader's perspective, Joe, what sorts of things can, can principals and middle leaders be doing? Definitely accessing the professional learning and the research that's out there, the professional reading. There's so much out there. I know we started all by joining even the Science of Reading Facebook page. Like teachers and leaders are constantly and experts putting things up there. It would It's an excellent resource to access. If they had the opportunity, I would absolutely encourage people to be part of the Teach Well Intensive Program because that's where it all started for us. And we've had another five teachers trained in the Teach Well Intensive and it's just providing that additional confidence and professional learning in the classroom. Yeah, and did Jenny or, or Beck, do you want to add any other kind of resources or professional learning recommendations that you have? Sure. Um, Twitter has been the most amazing resource for networking with different people who are in, in that sphere. For me personally, because that's been a, enabled me, I guess, to, to find people and jump in and do some of the webinars and things that are available. Mm. So uh, Amina McLean uh, was a key person, you know, to help me find out more information about comprehension and Ollie um, Lovell. Yeah, Ollie Lovell, his, his podcast is fantastic yes. and all the different people that he's talked to, particularly to just get when you want to get a short snapshot, say, for example, of things like bringing words to life or questioning the author to support your work at school has been invaluable. So there, there's just so many. And a lot of the books and reference materials that are suggested by the, the science of learning have, have all been excellent. And the writing revolution, if you're focusing on writing, wanting a resource for writing, it's excellent. Yeah. And think, I think forward educators need a shout out because they've had some excellent guests and speakers on there, which has provided lots of great practical information, I think, for implementing things in your school on a very simple, easy level to, if you want to get started. But I think the key thing probably, Joe, if you would agree, is to start small. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To try and do all of it is, is really, it's impossible. So just one small step at a time and then keep building on that from there. Yeah, cool. Beck, did you have any that you wanted to add or kind of been? I think the only thing I would say, again, I always bring it back down to the grassroots level because that's where I am. I think like the DataWorks website, just as far as if people want to know a little bit more about TAPL and about engagement norms, that's a, a nice, simple little website to get onto, which gives you just a little idea of what it's about. You can download the posters, put them up in your room and start practicing having a go. Yeah. yeah, cool. And so let's just move to, you know, the current day. Where where are you guys at now? You know, what sort of results are you seeing, you know, both academically and I guess behaviourally? Like, what, what's it look like at the moment? Oh, look, behaviourally, seeing a huge improvement within the classroom, as I said, just because of the engagement levels. The students are so engaged. And again, it comes down to that feeling like they're succeeding so their confidence levels are higher the results are fantastic we are so happy with what we're seeing even the parent feedback has been fantastic we did our reading even just this year our home reading program for kindergarten has changed a lot we used to send the readers home really early you know because it was that oh they'll figure it out with the pictures and the beginning sounds and yeah now it's all about decoding those words and knowing what the words actually are saying the feedback from the parents is they're just saying, I can't believe that they're reading the words they're reading. I can't believe that they're reading this whole book to me. And yeah. they're working the words out. They're not just guessing. So, yeah, that parent feedback has been really good to show us that, yeah, it is. They're seeing results at home as well as our, you know, our data and things like that. Mm. So our data is showing a great improvement across the school. Spelling has always been a concern here ever since I started here. We've been focusing on spelling and now we're starting to see the results both in assessments but in the students' writing. And also I sat in on a few parent-teacher interviews at the beginning of the year and the parents couldn't believe the vocab that the students are using at home even. So it's just happening in their, in everyday life. And we've had yeah. lots of visitors pop in, you know, to come and observe at the school. And, you know, often we don't get an opportunity to go and always watch each other, but their feedback has been that they've noticed this consistency across the school and delivery and 
They can see lots of high impact teaching strategies happening in all of the classrooms and how the students are really engaged in their learning. So I think that's that's really positive feedback for us because, you, you know, you don't always get to kind of see the big picture, but it's nice to have people coming in externally and, and you know, making those comments so you know that you're in a good place. And I think it's so great that we when you walk into the classroom, every student is set up for success. So from your students that struggle to your top achievers, everybody can achieve in the classroom. And I think that's a really a real success story. Yeah, yeah. And and so looking ahead, where to next? What are you working on? What are you still hoping to improve and the future look like? So we're continuing to focus on writing. Probably writing is our focus and maths. Maths has become our focus as well. Also, how do we use our assessment data more effectively in the classroom? That's where to next for us. Well, look, thank you for your time today. It's It's been wonderful talking to, to all three of you and, and digging into your story a bit more and, and finding out like, well, you know, what things are working. And, and I think you've, you've offered so much great advice around like, not just what we want to be seeing in the classroom, but how school leaders can practically help implement all of that as well, you know, through the, the, the planning time and, and prioritizing what is happening in that planning time to starting small and making those, those small shifts and, and not trying to get it all done at once. And, supporting those changes through the professional learning that you're offering and that professional learning and those curriculum conversations, as you say, they're at the forefront of every single time that you're meeting. And so teachers are constantly thinking about it, talking about it. And I can just see from speaking to all three of you and and having visited the school as well, that you've now been able to develop a a culture that of of teachers who are all on the same page, you're all aligned in in that vision and, and trying to not just better student learning outcomes, but better themselves as teachers. And and I think that openness, like, you know, I've, I've visited quite a lot of schools and I don't always get the opportunity to visit every single classroom. And Joe, you were constantly taking me from this classroom to that. And and as I said, like, you know, just being able to see all, through all the whole building, there's there was nowhere to hide, you know, there was no students being hidden or, or teachers being hidden. So that's, I think that's a, a real testament to, what you're, you've achieved at the school and, and where you're at. And, and I think it's, def- I highly recommend, yeah, any teachers, if you're looking for a school to to look at what effective classroom practice looks like, yeah, definitely go on and visit St. Bernard's. And yeah, it's a lovely, lovely place as well. So I'm sure that probably helps put a smile on your face when you get up every morning and you've got the, the water a couple of minutes down the road. And yeah, so thank you for your time, you know, Beck, Jen and, and Joe and, yeah, look forward to seeing your progress and, and what happens in the future as well. Thank you. Thanks, Brendan. It was great being able to go out to St Bernard's and see the amazing teaching and learning that is taking place at the school. I also enjoyed hearing from Joe, the principal, Jenny, a middle leader, and Beck, a classroom teacher. You could hear the passion from all three of them. I think a lot of teachers could relate to Joe's story about how she actually started out using explicit instruction and teaching phonics, but then changed because she thought she could trust the system and the approaches that were being recommended. Likewise, Beck's story would be familiar for a lot of teachers who have started asking questions because they have felt like they were taking children to a pool, throwing them in the deep end and saying swim. Because of this, teachers were begging for change at St. Bernard's. Here are my key takeaways. Fast-paced, High-energy lessons actually leave room to be playful within the structure. I like the idea that they got from Brooke Wardana about the magic triangle of sitting at their desk in a circle on the floor and then near the whiteboard. When you're looking where to start, start small. For example, they started with daily reviews. Don't keep the information a secret from the children. Tell them first, do it with them, and then give them a chance to practice it independently. The importance of actually following up with things. Ross didn't just give the okay for St. Bernard's to go to WA, but he followed up with seeing how it actually went. They focused on a gradual implementation process and were able to build momentum by starting with just a few classes and experimenting with them before showcasing them to the rest of the school. They supported change by providing them with planning time, 
getting resources together and observing other teachers. To emphasise what the priorities were for the school, they made curriculum a focus point at every meeting. Finally, Beck also spoke about the importance of actually seeing it in action. It has been so inspiring learning more about Catalyst and seeing the real impact that it's having. As an organisation, they have been really helpful and transparent with putting this story together. And if you're looking to implement the science of learning across your school or organisation, I highly recommend that you get in contact with the team at Catalyst and organise to visit a school or have a chat to one of the leaders. Also, if you're interested in hearing more about their stories, they've actually just released their own podcast, Teacher Insights from Catalyst. However, I'm sure this won't be the last time that you hear me talk about Catalyst, as there will be a number of future episodes with other members of their superstar team. Next up, I have another amazing guest in Christopher Sutt, the author of The Art and Science of Teaching Primary Reading, and it's an absolute cracker. We delve into what he's learnt since the release of the book and focus on how we can build reading fluency. But that's it from me for today, and as always, stay curious, keep learning, and teach with purpose. Bye for now.